Hello and welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for the next hour. Thank you if you're listening on podcast or wherever you're listening. I don't know. I guess I don't really know where else you could get this show, but you know what? Maybe it's in space. I don't know. Maybe we're popular on Mars. There's the smart speakers. Remember okay. that was a push? All the radio stations were saying, hey, you can find us on your... Alexa. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey, Alexa. Play the fan checkdown. What? Who? So we got a lot to get to. So I. What would Alexa say back? Don't trust those guys. Oh, no. I think. Oh, I think we are gaining. They a don't lo- know what they're talking oh, about. Oh, I think we're gaining a lot of trust, Donovan, because we're saying some really prophetic things. I'm sorry. Lately. They're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who are they? Um, no, we're saying some very prophetic things right now. Okay. I think we're making some hay. But as an overarching comment on yesterday's games, generally speaking, they were pretty fun. If you love kickers, well, five games that end on a kick? Yeah. Let's go. And if you like kickers in the Sunday nighter and the Sunday morning game, then you were really happy because you got to see a lot of Guys like Greg Zerline and, um, uh, oh, my God, the, Carlson. His first name is is eluding me right now. Um, Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Duh. Um, and if you, if you really like New England kickers and Colts kickers, and, yeah, you had a, you had a day yesterday. We, we were talking about fantasy before we went live because no one really cares about anybody's fantasy team, but you humor them and talk about them. But this I is have gonna... to care. You know how many people message me about their fantasy teams and what they should do? Well, it's your fault for responding. I know. I'm a nice guy. What can I say? This is the year where someone is going to be up a cool 21 points going into the Sunday night. Or they're going to put their app away, spend time with their family, only to maybe check later that night, in the morning maybe, and find out that some kicker went off or five kicks in inside the 30 and and beat them yeah that last night may have been that night if i'm being honest but like that game was and we're not going to talk about it in depth or basically at all it was horrible which we predicted uh you know what game wasn't horrible i mean there were a few but the one we're going to kick off with that houston cincinnati game was a lot of fun like a lot of fun and you know it's really funny, Donovan. There's a lot of people online right now that are talking about the greatness of C.J. Stroud. Oh, boy. There's a lot of people talking about C.J. Stroud MVP buzz. <laughs> oh, boy. I, you know, it, it, I can't think of who talked about this before this week even happened. Lance, did you do you know anyone? Maybe... Let me think about this. Hmm. Lance is telling me that the computer's broken. So no one, no one spoke about it. Great. No. Good to know. Because it certainly wasn't me. And I'm actually afraid that I may have said something to the contrary. It wasn't you. But somebody did say something of the sort. If the Houston Texans... Get into the playoffs. There's only one way that that's going to happen. 
And that is that CJ Stroud has to play at the level that he is playing. So what I'm saying is if CJ Stroud gets this team into the playoffs, the team that everybody thought was a cellar dweller, except me, because I told you that they were going to win more games than the New England Patriots. CJ Stroud is in the MVP conversation. Not just offensive rookie of the year, MVP. Say it louder for the people in the back. MVP. No idea who that was, but he sounds like a pretty smart guy. It's not just that you said it. You said it with your chest. <laughs> like you did not flinch at all. Yeah. And you know what the best part about that was? Was not even that clip. Was I followed it up by talking about how horrible Arthur Smith was right after that. But uh, but well, you also threw the Patriots under the bus, and that also seems to be correct. That they the- they suck. But Houston doesn't. And C.J. Stroud goes into Cincinnati against a Bengals team who, for many people's money, was maybe the best team in the AFC coming in. Because Joe Burrow was healthy. Granted, there was no T. Higgins. But I don't know. Oh, I mean, maybe T. Higgins catches that ball that Tyler Boyd drops in the end zone with uh, a minute 38 left on the clock. But he goes into what is not necessarily an easy environment road game in Cincinnati. They're six-point underdogs. He goes 23 of 39 for 356 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one rushing touchdown, and he outduels Joe Burrow, the guy who, for a lot of people's money, will win an MVP before his career is done and will win a Super Bowl before his career is done. C.J. Stroud leads the team down the field with 93 seconds left, setting up Matt Amendola, who was signed off the streets to kick the game-winning field goal. That was as impressive of a victory as I've seen. And there was a point where since he was down double digits at home, and that was the first time since I think week four that they were down double digits in a game. The legend of C.J. Stroud just continues to grow. Through an INT, goes to D'Amico Ryan, says, don't worry, I got you. We're going to come back and win the game. What do they do? They come back and they win the game. Former Ohio State quarterback. First game back in Ohio. Outduels. Another Buckeye, not only in terms of... Are they called Ohioans? I don't know. Okay, I'll look it up. I just call them Buckeyes, <laughs> no matter if they went to Ohio State or not. Outduels him in his own home stadium. He now has, because some people are listening to this, and they know that he's put up some good fantasy numbers, and they're like, ah, he's a rookie, MVP, really? If you are not having C.J. Stroud in your MVP conversation, you're not having an educated conversation. Yeah, you're not doing it right. 15 pass TDs. Two INTs. Patrick Mahomes is very valuable. It's just his offense it sucks. The 50 highest games that he's had from success rate all did not happen this year. This is not a Patrick Mahomes year. He has seven TD passes on the year. That's something he would threaten in a game. Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson. 
all have had down periods during this year. All have had games that they could have and should have won and they've left it on the table. C.J. Stroud has been consistently playing at a level that no other quarterback has. We've seen the highs of Tua. We've seen the highs of Josh Allen. But week in, week out, he has been balling. Oh, and by the way, his number one receiver, who coming into this year, no one thought was a number one receiver, Nico Hollins, he wasn't there. He wasn't on the field Mm -hmm. to help him at the end of the game. He is a culture changer because the Texans were the laughingstock of the league until they got him and and D'Amico Ryan. And this is a guy who's sending his wide receivers clips and cut-ups of plays that he think are going to be really important that week at all times of the night. So locked in. You've told the story, I believe, on this podcast of him having the offense over. Some QBs do it once a week, whatnot. He does it every day. Every day. Meal on me. Come through. We'll build, we'll bond, watch some film. In recruiting, there's certain players that the offensive or defensive staffs will call statue makers. You get that player, and he'll get a statue, and you'll get a statue. Mm-hmm. Like that's how important they are to a program. CJ Stroud seems to be the NFL equivalent after a couple months of his first season. And there's the stat, like the stats that he's breaking records all kinds. Um, I mentioned it last week. Like the only other rookie that's won MVP is Jim Brown. And that was in 1957. Here's an even crazier one. The last time, this is from Ian Rappaport. The last time a rookie led the NFL in passing yards per game was 1930. When you started with a 19, it already feels like it was yesterday, but it's not. Uh, 1939. His name, Davey O'Brien. Davey O. They had barely invented the forward pass because he averaged 120.4 yards per game. But he could slay it, though. He, I'm sure he, he could slay it. Off-platform, uh, <laughs> multiple arm angles. <laughs> I'm just picturing what that video looks like. Uh, CJ Stroud is at 291.8 yards per game through nine games. He is currently leading the league. Could make some history. That was at now, granted, that was before Sam Howell started throwing the ball because Sam Howell now is leading the league in passing yards per game. Bet you didn't have those guys one two on your bingo card uh by week ten. It's it's a super impressive run. And and the thing is, is like it's not as if Joe Burrow was just a nobody yesterday. Joe Burrow was twenty seven of forty for three hundred and forty seven yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. We talked about the drop, that Tyler Boyd drop in the end zone was pretty egregious. You know, you talk about what C.J. Stroud has done. Noah Brown, seven catches, 172. Last week, six catches, 153, and a touchdown. Devin Singletary ran the ball 30 times yesterday for 150 yards, one touchdown, added one catch for 11 yards. And then on the Cincy side, Jamar Chase, five, 124, and one. Tyler Boyd, eight, 117, no touchdowns. And, of course, you know, had that drop. Houston is now one game behind the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we will talk about in a second, for the lead in the AFC South. 
that noise you hear, that stampede you hear is people running to their tablets, smartphones, computers to add Noah Brown in fantasy off the waiver wire before uh, waivers Tuesday night as he went from someone not playing to putting up weak-leading numbers. The thing about Stroud, because every year we do this, where you pick a random name and it's nice to make an argument, and we, you know... We did it last week. Let's be honest. we got to fill some content. We've got hours to fill, so we'll bring him a name. And oh, in the MVP conversation, oh, he's making a push. And really, like, this is not Heisman watch. We, we know... That, the MVP is going to come down to three people, and it's probably going to be whichever one of those three has the best record at the end of the year. It's a narrative award, and people put themselves in contention early, and then they bring it home late. This is not just pleasantries for C.J. Stroud. No. If I had a vote today, which, one, no one would vote today. Two, I don't have a vote. But if I did, and I had to vote today, I would vote for C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I, I You can maybe make an argument from a non-quarterback for – Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill has actually fallen off in recent weeks, and I think if it's going to be a receiver, it would probably be CeeDee Lamb and or A.J. Brown. But as I mentioned, all of the other elite quarterbacks in the AFC have had huge question marks or haven't had near the amount of production, and the quarterback that's in this conversation in the NFC and Jalen Hurts is playing Hurt. And really, I think their wins has come off the strength of that defense more so than what the offense has done. So here's the other point. What do you think it means? Because it, the, the point you made about, you know, whatever t- guy wins the MVP probably might have the best record. With that, for a lot of these guys that are in this conversation, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, everybody expected those teams to win. What does it mean for a not only a rookie to come in, but on a team that had, everybody said, zero expectations. Everybody was talking about how the Arizona Cardinals were going to have two high picks because they had Houston's pick in the Will Anderson deal. It doesn't look like that right now. Like, how much of that plays into the conversation? Because you talk about the narrative award. There may not be a better narrative in the NFL than a rookie quarterback literally carrying the team on his back to get to the playoffs who everybody expected might win four games. Oh, wait a minute. The astronaut Josh Dobbs is on line one. That to me is my favorite narrative thus far. But I think to have a smarter value conversation, what we should do is not just look at the standings because that's easy. Not just look at, to our previous point, you know, someone who we want an excuse to talk about them, so we just say, you have to talk about this person in the MVP conversation. No, you don't. Kirk Cousins, every year. People are like, you have to talk about Kirk Cousins in the MVP conversation. No, I don't. He's had great numbers. He's not an MVP. He's quite frankly, he's not the most valuable person on his own team. That would be JJ, uh, the, the wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. But let's actually have this conversation. Forget about the standings. Let's look at, projected wins mm-hmm. the start of the season and then actual wins because if you did that and you add this new denominator to the equation that would be cj stroud and you look at what we expected the texans to do and what they're actually doing that shows you value it's not the cfl it's not the most outstanding 
it is the most valuable. And I would argue, if you take C.J. Stroud off of that team, the Houston Texans, well, we know what, what, what it would be like. We, we've seen them over the last decade or so. So that's why I think C.J. Stroud is the front runner on November 13th when we don't need to actually name someone for MVP. It's... Listen, it's a it's a great story. I was trying to find the wind to- projected wind tones. I th- if I if memory serves, I believe that on sh- uh, like Warren Sharp's website, Sharp Football Analysis, which is great. I think the Texans' projected wind total was like five point six. Well, already there, already there. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, another game, and this was a team that had lots of expectations. And, you know, we just talked about the AFC South and the Jaguars who just only have a a one game lead. They got torched yesterday. And if there were any questions about Brock Purdy and going forward, and I heard some people Brock is back. Yeah, let's go (laughs) rock with Brock millennial Um, Joe Montana. (laughs) I saw and heard some people suggesting that maybe we need to see Sam Darnold. And I'm just like, are you watching the games? Brock Purdy has only thrown multiple interceptions when he's been concussed, (laughs) literally. And yesterday, he just ripped apart the Jags. 19 of 26, 296 yards, three touchdown passes. And the thing is, is that Jacksonville threw different looks at him. Exotic blitzes. They tried different coverages. They did everything in their power, and it did not matter. A couple of things. One, Trent Williams was back. Big deal. Two, Debo Samuel was back. Big deal. Three, Brock Purdy didn't have a concussion. Also a big deal. That defense with Steve Wilkes calling the plays on the field gave Trevor Lawrence fits all day. Trevor Lawrence, 17 to 20 on 185, two interceptions, one fumble. He was a turnover machine yesterday. San Francisco back or is Jacksonville that five game winning streak? We're going, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit. I think both can be true when it comes to Brock Purdy. I think the other thing that I would add to the equations of things that you just listed was Kyle Shanahan had a bye week and sure so did. He had time to plan. So did, so did Doug Peterson though. That's true. And it didn't work. Well, <laughs> I mean, his bye week didn't give him any uh, solutions on how you block two talented defensive ends coming at you yeah, how about from that? various sides. It, the thing about Purdy that we've learned is probably a little too high on him when they're winning, probably a little too low on him when they're losing. Now it's like that perfect porridge. It's just right. He, like most quarterbacks, like 25 of them, 20 of them, whatever that number is that you want to draw the line of elite, they are are player and play caller dependent. Sure. Give him a better tackle. Give him uh, a wide back like Debo Samuel. Give him a lead. And all of a sudden, he's much better. When you actually watch the tape of Brock Purdy and you paused it at when he released the ball, and then you paused it again, at when the ball got to its intended target, there's a bunch of those that you could pause at either point. And be like, mm, I don't know if he's about to throw an interception or a TD. But it worked out this week because his players made the contested catches. 
Kittle comes down with it in one-on-one coverage. Ball's thrown in the end zone with many hands and bodies. It ends up going to a, a 49er. He's got that swag again, but a lot of some of the same throws that we said, man, it's a terrible decision, whatnot. Well, it's a better decision when your guys are better. Yeah. And and his guys were were better and they were on the field and they and they had a lead and they had that swag. The other aspect of it, you know, in terms of San Fran, what, why I think they're back and why I think they're uh, a force to be reckoned with, which means they're going to lose next week. Because whenever we crown a team <laughs> yeah, this year, Baltimore, hello, Baltimore. <laughs> there's a banana in the tailpipe as soon as we crown you. Is, man, that defense is really predicated on being able to rush the passer and to gang up at the quarterback, have essentially a team meeting in the backfield and, uh, and protect that secondary. And can... Steve Wilts, can he go back upstairs now? Can we? Does he have to still go come down and go to the principal's office? Like, yeah, he was on the field. I think what helped was that Chase Young was yeah. on the other side. And for everything that happened in Washington with Chase Young and oh, second overall pick and maybe a little bit of disappointment, can't stay on the field, maybe a bit immature. He's still an uber talented player that was among the league lead in pressures. Now there's literally less pressure on him. And he doesn't have to live up to that second overall pick billing. He just has to go out and be the second best D lineman on a D line, which could have four pro bowlers on it. Yeah. So when you look at what they did yesterday, defensively, four players with four plus pressures, Bosa Hargraves, Armstead and Young, four takeaways, five sacks, 38.5 pressure percentage yesterday. If that defense is going to set the table for that secondary and for that offense, they're going to be forced to, to be reckoned with. Yeah, there's no surprise, and it's no coincidence that Nick Bosa had one and a half sacks yesterday with the addition of Chase Young there because they can flip them. They can move them around the line. Like, you could have them rushing from the same side if you really wanted to, which is frightening to think about. Like, you're the left tackle. You got to deal with both of them. Here, oh, we'll throw a tight, an extra tight end on that side. Ah, we'll chip. Nice. Yeah, we'll chip. Yeah, okay. Oh, running back. Oh, you're. Oh, you're gonna pass block. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, a very, very impressive. That's a big road win. Jacksonville had been rolling. Um, the offense looked not good for Jacksonville, and the the worst part about it, which ended up costing me money on a touchdown parlay yesterday. The guy who didn't score. They did it without Christian McCaffrey scoring again. And I know they really tried hard to get him into the end zone near the end of the game with Sam Darnold in which, there. Which I don't mind. I respect it. I don't have a problem with it. I my, my thing in any sport is when teams get all up in arms about other teams running up the score, it's like, be better. Be better. Don't complain about it. Be better. Yeah. In what other walk of life are we like, actually, I'd prefer if you pitied me. Yeah, like I just prefer if you just mercy rule, just take a knee, showcase to the world how pathetic I am. That you don't even have to try, and you could still win. I, that's more about your locker room than theirs. You don't care what about what the opposition thinks about. In your locker room, if you are going out and getting guys their incentives, their bonuses, their milestones, that it shows that you respect them not just as employees but as people. So I don't mind it. I I, I like it. San Fran six and zero now. When Debo and Trent Williams finish the game, 
that they started. Again, they're a problem. But you talked about the fact that that Jacksonville offense didn't play well. My question for you is, is that Jacksonville offense just not very good? And is Trevor Lawrence, who we kind of put like in the vicinity of an elite quarterback, like squint, and we kind of have him in that conversation of that tier because he looks the part and we saw the great plays at Clemson and he was a first overall pick and he's got some big moments. He now has on the year nine TDs, 10 turnovers. As, as beautiful as the comeback game was down 28 against San Diego. The reason why they were down 28 is because he turned the football over. To me, a lot of Jacksonville's success has been off of that defense and that defense ability to turn the ball over and score themselves or essentially put on a plate for Jacksonville to score offensively. In other five games where they had a winning streak coming into this game, that defense forced 12 turnovers. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, Jacksonville turning over the football offensively, they've lost 57 expected points on turnovers in opposition territory. Not only is that the most in the league, it's by far the most in the league. The league average is 24. There's two other teams... In the 30s, the Vikings, who did it nonstop to start the year, and Atlanta's got to be the, there. the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> they fumbled on the one three times. And they didn't use Bijan really. Robinson. Correct. They had 16 points left on the board based off of turnovers. In this game alone, I, I couldn't run the ball. They had three successful runs to running backs out of 15 against that 49ers front. I think there's real questions of that Jacksonville offense, so much so that if I had to bet now who wins the AFC South, I would say Houston Texans. Yeah, the, and the defense, it's been giving up points, but they've also been creating key turnovers, and that's been that's been very good for them. Uh, this one, this from uh, Scott Barrett on Twitter. Uh, Scott is the, um, the CEO for Fantasy Points. Um, that's the company. Uh, CJ Stroud has exceeded 335 passing yards in back-to-back games. Do you know how many times Trevor Lawrence has done that in 43 games? I'm going to guess was zero. Once. Wow. And he also points this out. Trevor Lawrence is six months away from a Justin Herbert contract. Hmm. I think he's going to get it. For sure he's going to get it. Because Daniel Jones got $40 million. You want money? You're a quarterback? Yeah. Where do I make sign? your money? Yeah. Where do I? Yeah. Where do I sign? That's exactly the question. So this is going to be a very interesting run here because listen, I'm guilty of it as well. I thought Jacksonville was going to run away with this division. The Colts have kept it interesting because they grabbed another win. The Texans are right there. The Titans suck. <laughs> They're not winning a thing. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's it's not the best division of football, but it's certainly co- more competitive than we thought it was going to be. Speaking of competitive, let's get to this game uh, before we take a break. Cleveland. What the heck was that game yesterday? Cleveland! 30, this is for you! 33-31. to 31. Cleveland ends up making Baltimore pay for turnovers. One of them being a pick six, which I mean, I'm not going to put entirely on Lamar Jackson, but it's his interception. And they make the game close. It's 31 30. They missed the extra point. And you're going, Oh, that's such a Cleveland thing to do. 
And then they managed to win the game on the back of, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Deshaun Watson. He was 1 of 11 to start that game. He finished the game after that point 19 of 23. Lamar Jackson had two interceptions. Both defenses looked human. The Ravens rushed for barely over 100 yards. Was this opposite day or something? Like, were we in the twilight zone for this game? Could you have, the way both of these defenses were playing, could you have ever envisioned 33-31 being the final? Because I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that the game total was 38, and both of those teams got to within a touchdown of that. Oddly enough, though, a big reason why the score is what it is is because those defenses forced turnovers and flipped the field. True. So it's not as if even either offense played well. No, they weren't very good. defense played poorly. It was the opposite. But yet, we still ended up with a lot of points. The game was uh, bizarre. Cleveland trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds. And they won <laughs> that feels the football like, game. That feels like a very Cleveland game with Deshaun Watson as the quarterback, doesn't it? But I think the problem is, and let's have the conversation, shall we? That feels very much... Like a Baltimore Ravens game. A loss, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every game has been like that that they've lost. of the, All three. And so, at what point do we have the conversation about this team who, when you look at it and how it's built, what do we do well? We run the football. We rush the passer. Well, you should be able to close out any game. You should have yeah. the recipe for success to close out any game. We have a money kicker. Our head coach... His expertise is special teams. You should be able to close out any game. But yet, time and time again, they are throwing away these games that they should win. You you can make an argument the Baltimore Ravens should be undefeated at this point. And so, at some point, you have to look and say, well, what's going on? And at some point, you have to say, Lamar Jackson, 12 turnovers in the fourth quarter or overtime of a one-score game over the last three seasons. We've seen this time and time and time again. I don't really know why Baltimore continues to throw up these games that they have in hand and dominate, but they've done it a bunch of times, and it could cost them in the AFC North race. It could cost them in the playoff race at large. People don't really understand how difficult the AFC playoff picture is. It's a mess. If the playoffs started today, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills would not be in them. Yep. Those are two teams that we thought Super Bowl had contender. the best chance to win the Super Bowl, yeah. if not for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I, I, I like to come on, and I've thought about this, and I've watched some film, and I've crunched some numbers, and here's my hypothesis. This is what I believe because of X, Y, and Z. And if you agree on these premises, then you should agree on this conclusion. It is the philosophy student in me. That was my minor in university. It's really the only thing I actually retained. Well, other than the football. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on with Baltimore. I, on, I honestly do not know. I just know that in a way we shouldn't be surprised anymore because the same thing continues to happen. I still think they're the best team in the AFC. Like, I, yesterday they spit the bid up, and, and those games happen. They're still 7-3. and three. They're leading the division. I think the, I think one of the things that we talked about 
was how competitive that division was going to be. We said it's probably the best division in football. But wait, are they the best because their highs are the highest? No. I like, st- like, do you trust them to win three games in a row against good football teams, which is what you have to do to win a Super Bowl? Two, two things. One, I do because I think the defense is still elite. Okay? They sh- again, we talked about it. It wasn't necessarily them being bad yesterday. It's just, you know, you're put in tough spots, whatever. I still think that Baltimore can run the ball as good as anybody, maybe outside of the Detroit Lions. Here's one of the caveats. They need to give, we saw it yesterday, they need to give Keaton Mitchell the ball a little bit more. Well, I mean, they did give it to him in the end zone, hit him in the chest and fell to the ground. I know, but he had what, five touches yesterday? And he didn't have a touch after that. Yeah, and so he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes, but like when I see the burst that he has... You know, you know what it reminds me of? The impact that Devon Achan had on the Miami Dolphins in that running game. That's what I see. And you know why? Because he's different than the other guys that they have. Gus Edwards is a plotter. For whatever we think of Gus Edwards, he's a plotter. He's, he's very good straight line, but he doesn't give you that side-to-side ability. He's not as mobile. He doesn't, you know, his jump cuts, he doesn't have any. He doesn't own a jump cut. He's a mailman. He, he 100%. gets the package, delivers it right to the door. And that's it. And he's going to score you touchdowns. And if you want to run him, you know, inside the 10, no problem. I get it. But between the 20s, it's, it can't be Justice Hill. And that's where I think they're missing out a little bit, is that they're not getting that same type of production. I think at least they're not maximizing their production with the run game. So that's where I think. And Lamar, here's the thing. When Lamar Jackson has a bad game, it's a bad game. When he has a good game, he looks incredible. So I'm not so concerned about that because he's had a lot more good games than he has bad games this year. We talked about him as an MVP last week. Uh, We did. But I want to get back to you and your faith of the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Let's play real survivor. Mm -hmm. Your... Beautiful child. Oh, now we're doing this. Held hostage. Or the aliens are coming down. Let's do that one. And then they are playing a football game for the fate of the earth. And you got one football team that's going to play the aliens. It's Mars versus the Ravens. You are telling me that's the team you choose. You have the most confidence in the Baltimore Ravens right now to win a football game. In the the AFC. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I still think I still think it's the Ravens. I don't know if I have confidence to beat the Bengals. Well, we're gonna this, find this out on Thursday. Week, we're gonna find out. I don't know. There's something about this Ravens team. Generally speaking, they don't make a lot of mistakes oh. until they do. Yeah, until they do. Uh, we gotta take a break. We are heavy on time. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, a shootout in L.A. and the astronaut Josh Dobbs with a win, and we'll talk about the Monday Nighter Bills and Broncos. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We'll be back in a few. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network or wherever you get your podcast. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And boy, oh boy. Um, you know how I replay clips of me saying things that are very prophetic? 
you're not going to hear me say the one about the Minnesota Vikings not making the playoffs. Because oh, I felt really good about that after three weeks. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about our bet of the NFC South and how, what was it? You thought all teams were going to... Two teams. Two teams were going to make the playoffs? Or, yeah. Or how many teams did you say was going to be above 500? No, I had the I had the Saints winning 10 games, which is still possible, but not doesn't look very likely um, because they lost yesterday to the Minnesota Vikings. And it's the Pastronaut, Josh Dobbs again, um, leading the Saints, uh, the, the Vikings to a victory. This guy was traded. He, he ends up in Tennessee, signs as a free agent with the Browns. He doesn't even make a start for them. He gets traded because Dorian Thompson Robinson is, is the guy as the backup to Deshaun Watson. Ends up in Arizona, keeps them relevant in games. Gets a new lease on life getting traded to the Minnesota Vikings where he's probably never going to have a more skilled group of guys to throw to once Justin Jefferson gets back. And now he's 2-0 and as a starter with the Vikings. It's the best story right now. Like Between the C.J. Stroud MVP talk and Josh Dobbs probably leading this team to the playoffs, those are the two best stories right now. They've won five straight games. He went on a podcast earlier this week and talked about the fact that the Arizona Cardinals lied to him and essentially said to him that, one, he was not going to be uh, benched, which obviously happened. Then, two, he was not going to be traded, which obviously happened. And all of a sudden, a guy who's had to learn five different offenses this calendar year goes into a scenario, doesn't know names, doesn't know last names, doesn't know plays. Players are telling him the back end of plays in the huddle. Kevin O'Connell is using as much of the QB to head coach conversation timing to tell him not just the play, but also the routes uh, and the keys and the read progression. And yet he's doing that. And also you said leading when you went, I thought you were going to say leaning in to the pastronaut mantra. As he should. He's a rocket scientist. He is. He's coming to the press conference wearing, you know, Astro hats and NASA hats and fully uh, embracing all that it is. Is comeback player not a rap? Like, is it not his at this point? Uh, so somebody actually put this out there because the odds were super high. Or sorry, super low. The only way he doesn't win it somehow is if, although DeMar Hamlin's going to be in that conversation as well. I know he's not playing a lot, but he's going to be at least in that conversation. He'll probably play tonight because Micah Hyde is not playing. Well, we'll see. Um yeah, I unless Aaron Rodgers comes back in December, which would be ridiculous. But man, I, I it's hard to find a better story than Josh Dobbs right now cuz the thing it's one thing to come in and oh, it's like you won a couple of games but the defense is playing outrageous. I will give you some stats. The defense is playing really well, but they're not playing at like an all-world clip that, you know, Rex Grossman could be the quarterback. He's playing really well and running in touchdowns like eight carries yesterday 44 yards and a touchdown has the swagger kind of skips into the end zone to avoid the hit i don't know man he looks really good he's force feeding T like tj hawkinson is not hungry anymore he's been force fed enough he has hunger pain oh my he's, he's in a fetal he's position like, just like he's like holding his stomach. please no more no more footballs no more pigskin 
Um, at, at the Brazilian Steakhouse, he's holding the red card. Yeah, he's just he's like, like, no, I'm done. I'm good, done. Thank you. He's, I don't know. Is there a better, like, I don't even know what else to say about this guy other than he's going to lead this team into the playoffs. And the way the defense is playing right now, they're not an easy out. They're not. And what I love is they've made the seventh spot in the NFC playoffs real and a live dog. And I think we have seven locked that are going to go into the postseason. It's just a matter of order. Because for a while, that seventh spot, when you looked at the standings, like, Ugh, that seventh spot would have been better off as an email. Like, just like, do we even <laughs> have to worry about it? And now they've entered the chat. I don't think they're going to catch the Lions in the NFC North, but I don't know. I didn't think they were going to win five games in a row. I didn't think they were going to win five games all year, especially not after Kirk Cousins went down. But Dobbs has been as good and has given them a bit of an element in terms of being able to run the football. Josh Dobbs has been out of this world. Oh, <laughs> see what you did there. I had to do that. Uh, so this is from Kevin, Kevin Seifer from ESPN. So the Vikings started 0-3. Since then, their defense has ranked number four in points allowed per game, number five in defensive efficiency, number five in defensive EPA, tied for number five in takeaways, and number seven in yards per game. Brian Flores and staff have done some work. Just took a little bit of time. We all knew Brian Flores was a smart guy who should be a head coach in the NFL, but we don't need to go there. Listen, if he's now putting himself at least in the conversation where teams, if you're if you're not asking, you're not doing your job. Well, I mean, there's a lawsuit of that course. is pending that of course. may impact that. And he would argue that they're not doing their job by not asking. That's true. But yeah, he has certainly acquitted himself well in Minnesota. And again, I'll say it again, Kevin O'Connell. Coach of the year. Might be. Has to be in that conversation. The only person, and there's a lot of great candidates. Mike Tomlin is obviously one year in, year out. D'Amico Ryans is making a real yep. uh, push at this Dan point. Campbell. This will be one of the harder years to pick a coach of the year, I think. I think there's a lot of really good stories. A lot of good young coaches. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of the, the Lions, what a game that was between the Lions and the Chargers. Back and forth action. Neither defense wanted to play defense, which was great. Uh, both teams combined to go seven of eight on fourth downs. They combined for 954 total yards, 10 touchdowns, and only three punts. That was a college football game yesterday. It was great. And the one thing, so for the Lions, obviously, it's a big deal getting a win off the bye. The Chargers, not critical, but it's not a great loss, especially at home. The important thing for the Detroit Lions was Dave Montgomery's healthy and they combined he and Jameer Gibbs for 193 rushing yards and three scores. You know, never want to say an injury is a good thing, but I almost feel like that Montgomery injury in the aggregate is going to be a positive. One is didn't have any carries. He came back and he looked fresh coming off of an injury Two is it forced them to do what fantasy owners wanted. Feature Jameer Gibbs. Looked pretty good. And now that you have both of them going, that run game, it's not just consistent, it's explosive. Yeah. Both of them with explosive runs. There is no team in the league outside of Miami who has more explosive runs that, to running backs than the Detroit Lions. And this is somewhat a state of the vibes around the Lions as it is a state around the vibes around the Chargers. But 
the Lions fans took over SoFi. I don't think we should be surprised because they took over Lambo. But luckily, when you were watching the TV copy, you had to really pay attention to notice because both teams wear light blue. But the Lions fan base continues to travel with them. And as they take over games, they take over stadiums. Didn't expect that. Well, I mean, not that I didn't expect it. It's pro- part of it is probably because they've had nothing to cheer for for so long. And now they're like, no, we're doing this and we're doing it right. The, the Lions right now and the reason why they're going to be able to make some hay in the NFC is because they can run the football. And that is, I know it's a passing league. I understand all that. But the quarterback is just fine. Thank you very much. Over 300 yards yesterday for Jared Goff. It was a it was a big, big win for the Lions. But if they can continue to run the football like this, it's all it's going to do is just allow them to, it's going to be easier for them to throw the football. Teams are going to have to commit more guys in the box. They're going to have to be mindful of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And you can put them both on the field at the same time because here's the other thing. They're both, well, David Montgomery is better in pass pro than Jameer Gibbs is, but they're also very good at catching the football. They are so dynamic offensively. And, you know, you and I talked about maybe the need for another wide receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown's pretty darn good. Well, I think they... Samuel Porter's pretty good. I, I think that's the point. I think they found their number two, and we have all wondered, is it going to be one of the brothers Reynolds? Is it going to be Jameson Williams when he comes back? From injury, do they need to make a move at the deadline? Their number two receiver is their number two pick in terms of rounds. Sam Laporta is is their complimentary receiver to Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, not for any particular reason, but did anybody see the Jim Harbaugh news over the weekend? Got suspended. He did get suspended. Maybe he's getting a little sick and tired of NCAA football and all the rules. Anyway, I just, for no reason, just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, Monday night preview. We've got a couple minutes left. Bills hosting the Broncos. Bills 5-3. and three. The Broncos 3-5. and five. The Bills 2-4 and four against the AFC. The Broncos are 1-4 against the AFC. Uh, the last time Josh Allen played the Broncos back in 2020, 359 yards, completed 70% of his passes, two TDs, no interceptions. I believe he ran one in as well. Uh, the Bills won that game 48-19. Uh, Russell Wilson, 2-1 and one in his career against Seattle, or against Buffalo, all three with Seattle. The last time uh, that they played, the Bills won 44-34. Josh Allen was a star. This is as must win of a game for the Buffalo Bills as they've had all season. I would agree. You mentioned their record in the AFC. That is one of the tiebreakers. Now, listen, it may not get to that point, but given how jam-packed the AFC standings are, it might. But more importantly, you had a week where there was so much chaos at the top of the AFC that the Chiefs improved by not playing. Travis Kelsey was out here in Argentina making out on camera offstage with Taylor Swift, and his team was getting higher in the standings, the Bills, by proxy, not playing on Sunday, improved in the standings. And they actually could improve even more so if they get a win and get back in the conversation. As I mentioned earlier, if the playoffs started today, they would not be in them. Granted, they have a game in hand that they will play tonight. I think this is a massive, massive, massive game for Buffalo to get back in the conversation. And and the other thing is, too, is Miami 
on the bye week, like you got to try and make up a game here. The Bills bye week isn't until week 12, I believe. So you've got to you've got to maintain pace because it may not be about winning a wild card spot at this point. You might have to win the division the way things are going. Because of how competitive the AFC North has been, all four teams are above 500. Like that may be where you have to make up some hay. Uh, do you want to pick a winner for this one? It's got to be Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, if it's not, then we're having an entirely different conversation tomorrow about. Are you coming in tomorrow if it's not? I don't know. I really don't. I, you talk about. Can the- I show my face around here if I if they lose? I don't think so. Of course you can. We're all family here. You talk about the division. That's when you can't is when you're around family. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a Bills fan. <laughs> Fair. Dolphins, idol. Jets lose. Patriots, of course, lose. Yeah, they suck. This is a chance for you to gain some ground or, or extend some ground in the division. Big game for the Bills. All right. Let's, uh, okay, so I'm picking the Bills as well. So that one's on record. Surprise, you're picking surprise. the Bills. Um, I also picked them against the Bengals last week. So whatever. Uh, best bets for tonight. Javante Williams over 55 and a half rushing yards. Uh, the Bills have just been hemorrhaging rushing yards all season. So I'm just going to take that one and feel like I'm pretty confident in that. Dalton Kincaid over 53 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's had that number in three straight 81, 65, 75. He is now the number two option in that passing offense with a very, very good quarterback. Okay, that's going to do it for us on the fan check down. Matt Marchese signing off. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Thanks to Donovan across the table. Uh, we will chat to you with you tomorrow, um, hopefully with good news surrounding my Buffalo Bills. Oh, and we're going to talk about your Cowboys tomorrow because that was uh, that was interesting. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.